Welcome to the King's Cast, dynamic teaching recorded live at King's Church in Cambridge, England. We hope you are blessed and challenged by listening to the ministry today. And now, here's the broadcast. Been okay? I hope you've all had a a, a blessed week, um, not too stressful. And, and, and it's always good to see all of you in the house of God uh, on a Sunday like this. It's always a privilege and a blessing uh, uh, for us to be able to sit at his feet, to hear what he has to say to us. Each time we get together like this, uh, he commands his blessings. Not only does he command his blessings, but he's also got something to tell us. And um, I do hope and pray that as we, you know, open our hearts, uh, uh, open our ears to hear what he has to say to us, we live here not being the same. Um, I don't know about you, but um, I mean, everything building up to now, it's been quite an experience. You know, the, 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 the songs that we've been listening to, celebrating the goodness of the Lord, uh, 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 you know, the, the words of encouragement that has been coming. And, and I do believe that this is how church should be. Uh, this is the way church should be, that when we come in, church should be the place where we come to receive strength. Church is the place where we come to receive encouragement. Church is where we come where we come with our little fire, okay, and then we come and light somebody's fire whilst we also get our fires lit as well so that we can go out there and continue to make a difference in our world. Uh, now, the reason why I'm saying that is because today I want to, I want to talk about the church. I want to talk about the church of God. I want to talk about what the church should look like. And, and, and hopefully, uh, at the end of, uh, of the sermon this morning, we'll all get a sense of what it is that we, uh, or a church should be. And I'm, I'm hoping and praying that, um, by the end of the message, we would also individually be able to slot ourselves into the bigger picture of the church. Uh, because if we are Christians and we believe that we've been saved by the Lord Jesus Christ, as Paul said that when we accept Christ, it is no longer us who live, but it is Christ that lives in us. Now, if that's the case, then it means that, uh, 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 that, that God is expressing himself through us, and he does that through the church as well. And so this morning, I want us to really have a look at what it is uh, uh, that the church should be. What is a model church? Uh, what does a church look like inwardly and outwardly as well? Uh, uh, and I believe that as we do that, we'll also begin to find ourselves within it as well. Now, when you look at the book of the, uh, the Bible, and in particular the New Testament, uh, if you look at the, the Acts of the Apostles, but also all the epistles that Paul wrote to the different churches and the indiv- individuals, uh, you notice that there was a particular trend in all the letters that Paul wrote or in what happened in the church. Uh, and that really gives us a sense of what type of church God is trying to build. And, and I do believe that these epistles or these letters in the New Testament offers us hope or gives us a sense of what we should do moving forward this year, especially in 2023. So um, if you have your Bibles with me, if you turn to Philippians chapter 4, Philippians 4, and um, we're going to read, it's quite, we're going to read the entire Philippians chapter 4. So um, if you want to get yourself ready. Okay, Philippians chapter 4. And whilst we're opening it up, just a little bit of a background. Um, as I was saying earlier on, um, 
during Paul's uh, missionary journeys uh, around the world or to the known world, um, he he went into these different churches or went to these different uh, places with the gospel. Uh, uh, he preached the gospel. A lot of people came to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. And as, as a result of that, churches were formed. Now, at some point, he had to write some letters or epistles to these churches, really encouraging them and building them up and really sort of giving them the sense of what they've actually come to believe in. Uh, and I do believe that these epistles really hold true for us today, even though they were written many, many, many uh, centuries ago. So um, in the letter that Paul wrote to the church in Philippi, he basically was trying to really encourage them uh, to continue in the gospel. Uh, but most importantly, he was trying to really tell them about their faithfulness in God. Okay, because this was a church that really played a really pivotal role in his second missionary journey. Uh, if you read the book of Acts, for example, he talks about the fact that he had a dream. And in the dream, there was a man who was talking to me, telling him that he should come to Macedonia uh, to come and share the gospel there. Now, when he was there, something happened. Uh, the Macedonian church wasn't really that strong financially, so he needed to actually raise funds to actually help in actually set, uh, setting up the church in Macedonia. And the church in Philippi played a really, really pivotal role in actually helping him in doing that. So I uh, really want us to really have a look at this because, as I said, it actually gives us the uh, platform for us to look at what a model church should be like. So Philippians chapter 4 I'm reading from verse 1, and I'm reading from the NIV version. It says, Therefore, my brothers and sisters, you whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm in the Lord in this way, dear friends. Verse 2. I plead with Iodia, and I plead with Senteke, to be with the same mind in the Lord. Yes, and I ask you, my true companions, Help these women since they had, con- they have contended at my side in the course of the gospel. Along with Clement and the rest of my co-workers whose names are in the book of life. Verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, If anything is excellent and praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. I'm going to pause here uh, in verses 8 and 9. I don't know about you, but reading verse 8, for me, it just tells me that this is a good example of um, how we can overcome problems. Okay. If you are anxious, if you are worried about things, if you are stressed about things, I see this chapter or this verse to be the 
if you like, the antidote or the solution to this. If you are ever worried about any situation that you might be going through, okay, I recommend to you that rather than focusing on how difficult and how challenging that particular problem is, I really want to encourage you to think about whatever things are true. And we know that God is not a man that he lies. He's not the son of man that he repents. That whatever he says, he's well able to fulfill it. So if you're ever in a situation where you feel that, well, how am I going to get out of this? Then I really want to encourage you to remember whatever things are true. And we know whatever things are true are things that God has said. Okay. Now, whatever things are noble, whatever things are right, we know that in our day to day, there are things that are right and are things that are wrong. Okay. So rather than us focusing on the wrong things, we should think, focus on the things that are really right. Okay. Whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are admirable, if anything is excellent and praiseworthy, think about such things. Just meditating on those things alone is a way of you actually dealing with whatever situation that you might be going through today. So if you're seated here this morning or you're watching online and you're saying, right, I'm going through difficult challenges right now and at this moment in time, all you can see is the bigness of that problem. Um, I have good news for you and the news I have for you this morning is that God is bigger than that particular problem. Amen? God is bigger than that particular problem. So rather than you focusing on it, why don't you focus on the person who has the ability, has the power to change those circumstances in your favor. Why don't you think more about who that person is and what that person is capable of doing in your life and in the circumstances for which you currently, you know, becoming overwhelmed with? Because I believe that when we focus on these things, God is well able to make those situations disappear one way or the other. If you remember the case of Paul and Silas when they were in jail, okay, they were in jail. And rather than them actually focusing on the fact that, you know, nothing is going to come out, they were going to, they were going to be sentenced to death more or less because of what they did. What did they do? They actually decided to go out of the problem that they were facing by praising God and worshiping God. And as they were worshiping and praising God, we know what really happened, don't, don't we? That the prison doors were thrown open and they were able to come out of it. And they came out of it to go back into the world and continue to share the gospel. And that is something that we can actually bear in mind. That when we go through challenges and difficulties, let's not dwell too much on it. Now, we are not, I'm not in any way saying that, you know, let's neglect that. Part. No, we are not neglecting that situation. We're saying that the situation is real, but at the same time, we believe in the God who is so powerful and who has got the, the, the power to transform those situations in your favor. Remember that he's got a stake in you. He's got a stake in his, his name and his reputation is at stake. So he will do everything possible to change situations in your favor so that at the end of the day, people will see that thing that he's done for you so that the glory will go to him. So anytime you have any situation that you're going through, please think about God. Meditate on his goodness. Meditate on his message. We talked about, we sang about today. Celebrate. 
celebrate the faithfulness of God, sing praises unto his name, worship him, speak in, 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 in language that you understand, but meditate unto him. And as you do that, what you are doing is you are saying that I recognize the situation, but I also recognize that God, you have the power to change that situation. And when you do that, he comes into your case. So just something to really encourage us that if you're ever in a situation right now that you're going through any difficulty, please meditate on these things. Think about whatever things are true. Think about whatever things are lovely. Think about whatever things are admirable. Because when you do that, you are in effect lifting that burden that you have and giving it to God. And when you do that, God also comes in and he takes up your case. Okay. Right. So, let's move on to uh, verse 10 of Philippians chapter 4. I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned but you had no opportunity to show it. I am not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all th- I can do all these through him who gives me strength. Uh, a very popular scripture. Yeah? We, we hear, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. But please, let's look at the context in which it is used. Okay? The context that Paul is asking, Paul is saying that, yes, I've, I've been in need. But not in need to feed myself, in need to go and actually feed the people that God has given to me. Okay? Now, I know what it means. If, if it came to me alone, I, I don't, I don't, I don't, you don't need to worry about me because I know what it means to be well fed and I know what it means to be in need. Remember that Paul is a tent maker. Right? He, that, that was his profession. Uh, at a point in time, he went even to be with uh, Priscilla and Aquila. And together, they went building, doing the job that they did. And I believe that this was really, really, really powerful because it meant that the, he wasn't really dependent on the church. Even though powerful as he was, going around the world at the time, sharing the gospel, building churches, he wasn't dependent on the church. And I think that is just something that's really, really uh, encouraging uh, to bear in mind. But he's pretty much saying that he knows what it means to be in want. He knows what it means to be, to be, to be well fed. And he says that whatever he's got to do, he does all of it because the God that lives in him empowers him to enable him to be able to do that. Verse 14. Yet it was good of you to share in my troubles. Moreover, as you Philippians know, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I set out from Macedonia, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving, except you only. So again, we sort of like getting a picture. Okay, he's commending the Philippian church and saying that, hey, I am really indebted to you because earlier on, when I was going around around setting up churches, even though I have taught in the different churches about how to give and to receive. No, no, no other church actually did as much as you did. 
Okay, and for that, I'm eternally grateful to you. And then he goes on in verse 16. For even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid more than once when I was in need. Verse 17. Not that I desire your gift. What I desire is that more, is that more be credited to your account. I have received full payment and have more than enough. I am amply supplied now that I have received from Epaphroditus the gift you sent. They are a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice pleasing to God. And here is another scripture that we are all familiar with. And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. And again, just to state here very quickly, it is a scripture that is used very often. But again, we need to look at it within the context in which it is used. Now, here is a church that contributed to Paul's missionary journeys. They kept giving him all the time. Anytime he made the appeal, they would come together and they would contribute. And that contribution went into Paul's missionary journey. As a result of that, a lot of churches were set up. And Paul is saying that because of what you have done and because of your giving... May the God that we serve continue to supply all the needs that you have according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. So anytime we're quoting the scripture, let's be mindful that this is the context in which it is used. The people gave everything. And out of that, Paul was saying that, right, this is, this is what comes to you when you give towards the gospel, towards the federals of the kingdom. Okay. In verse 20, it says, To our God and Father be glory uh, forever and ever. Amen. And then um, verse 21 and 20, 20 to 23 says, Greet all God's people in Christ Jesus. The brothers and sisters who are with me send greetings. All God's people here send you greetings, especially those who belong to Caesar's household. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen and amen. Thank you very much, Father, for the reading of your word. And we pray that, Father, may you bring grace. May you bring understanding and illumination into our lives this morning. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Right. So there are a couple of things that I really wanted to share based on uh, uh, what we've just read in the book of Philippians. Okay. Now, the first point I wanted to bring is that the church in Philippi was in a bit of a messy church. Okay. The church wasn't all figured out. It wasn't perfect church. Why do I say that? In verse, in verse two of Philippians chapter four, he presents divisions. He presents the idea that all is not well within the church, even if it's among just one, two people in the church. And, and, and that is the reason why he says, I plead with Iodia and I plead with Senteke to be of the same mind. Now we don't know what they were, they were quarreling about. We don't know what the misunderstanding was. But we do know that there was some misunderstanding uh, between these two. Okay? And that really was having effect in terms of, you know, the, the whole dynamic within the church. Okay? Now, to give you a sense of who these people were, Paul, uh, Paul goes ahead and talks about the credential. Now, these were two women who had contended with him for the gospel. 
They've been people who have been behind him, supported him. And again, we are not given an idea of how they supported uh, Paul. Were they itinerant uh, preachers with Paul as well when he was going to dif- uh, different parts of the world sharing the gospel? How did they really actually uh, support Paul? What we do know is that they contended with him for the gospel. Um, last year, I shared a, a, a word here about contending for the faith. When you contend for something, you are literally fighting. You are defending that particular thing. And that is exactly what these two women were doing with Paul. Now, that tells me that, and I don't know about it, but it tells me that these were people who were matured in the faith. These were people who knew what the gospel is about. These were people who had given their life to the sharing of the gospel. And yet, they had that division going on within, the, within them. Now, what does that tell us as, as believers in 2023? It tells us that the church that, the church of Jesus Christ today is also a messy church. It tells us that there might be differences of opinion within the church. There might be people having issues within the church. There might be people not seeing eye to eye with each other within the church. Okay? Uh, And so for those of us who think that the church is supposed to be this magnificent, perfect church, um, I have bad news for you. The church is made up of human beings, just as you and I. Um, We all have challenges. We all have difficulties. Um, Sometimes personality clashes, happens. Okay, as we've seen with these two matured great women. I mean, and even, even to make it, to, to actually to qualify, they say that these were not just, they were people whose names were in the book of life. So these were people who shared, they've been with Paul, you know, suffered with him, did everything, and their names were in the book of life, and yet they still had these issues that they had to face. And so, just to let you know that yes, there, there will be things happening within, the, even even if we don't know about it. Okay, it's all part of a church that is growing. It's all part of uh, uh, um, the, the changes that is taking place within the church. But one thing that I, I, I believe Paul did was Paul knew the potential of this dragging on, and so he was encouraging the church to actually speak to these two people. Sit down, let's have a dialogue, let's have a conversation about what is what it is that is causing this division among you. Because this has the potential to spread. And when it spreads, it actually slows what God is doing within the church. So he spoke to them, he spoke to the church and he said, please, can you speak to these two women? Can you sit them down? Can you have a conversation with them? Which is something that we should be able to do within the church as well. If there are any differences, if there are any challenges between two people going on in the church, rather than us allowing it to fester, we need to be able to sit down and actually need, because remember that these are all those little foxes that, you know, is spoiling the vine of God's work. When we are not able to do that, the church is not presented as a unified front. And when the church is not presented as a unified front, it is very, very easy for the enemy to come in and sow his seed of confusion. Since where there is confusion, the work, the work of the enemy actually thrives. And we don't want to give him that. We don't want to give him that space. Because God has sacrificed his life to make sure that all those spaces are actually closed by his blood. And so as Christians, we need to make sure that if there are divisions or there are any misunderstandings, that we sit down and we talk about it 
amicably in a matured way. And let's, let's remember that we are doing it first of all to make sure that we are all slotted into what God is doing. And then as a unified front, we can be presented as a very powerful force. Because when we are together, when uh, the church is really united, things happen. Life tra- lives are transformed. Individual within the church, but also people around us can see what is actually going on in the church. And that really gets, they get attracted to what is happening in here. But when they come in and there are divisions and misunderstandings and, you know, clicks here and there, all of that, it means that the church is not a united front. And when it's not a united front, it is very, very easy for things to gradually sneak into the church. And before you know it, like a cancer is actually spread. And that is not what we want in the church in this hour uh, 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 at this time. Now, this is not really something that is peculiar to the Philippian church because if you look at the scriptures, even if you look at the, the book of Acts, the beginning of the church age, you notice that a similar thing was actually happening. Uh, if you look at Acts chapter 6, there was this, you know, divisions in the church. There was this mumbling. Okay? As a matter of fact, um, if, we, if we quickly turn to Acts chapter 6, just to prove the points that I've just said. Acts chapter 6. From verse 1, it says, In those days, when the number of disciples was increasing, the Hellenistic Jews among them complained against the Hebraic Jews about their widows, or about because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. So it was a, it was a welfare issue. Okay, now remember that at this, before this moment, the church had come, there was this sense of camaraderie within the church. Um, people have found this faith in Christ. God is doing amazing things. And um, people that have things, okay, now sold all the properties, brought it into, into the church so that the needs of the people will be met. And yet there was still mumbling and issues going on. Okay. Right. Verse two. It says, so the twelve gathered all the disciples together and said, it is not good or it is not right for us to neglect the ministry of the word of God in order to wait on tables. Brothers and sisters, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the spirit and of wisdom. We will turn this responsibility uh, over to them and will give our attention to prayer and to the ministry of the word. So there was something similar going on in the, in, in, in the early church. That there was this, there was this mumbling, there was this, you know, groaning, there was misunderstanding, people were complaining, yet we are not being well taken care of, all of that. And the, the good thing was the apostles noted it. They, they, they knew, they saw it. And that's the reason why they, they sat down and they said, right, what is happening is not right. If we don't do something about it, again, speaking of what I said, if we don't do something about it now, then later on down the line, this is going to be blown out of proportion and the work of God will not be advanced uh, in the church. And so they came together and they said, right, let's select people. Let's select people, people who are full of the spirit, not just any other person or any other people, but people who are full of the spirit and with wisdom, and let's dedicate this 
serving and this welfare issue to them so that we can get the opportunity to continue to, because we don't want to be limited in sharing the gospel by what is happening in the church. And then even in Paul's letter to the Corinthians, in 1 Corinthians, he talked about something similar, that there was this, you know, um, if you like, today we'll call hero worship going on in that church. Because there were people who were going with certain people within the church. So Paul said some people were going with following Apollos, some were following Paul and all of that. And that was creating divisions within the church. Can you imagine that on a Sunday, maybe on a Friday, you get the bulletin sent out to say that, right, this week we've got, on Sunday, we've got this amazing prophet of God who's going to be coming to share the word and, you know, giving words of prophecy, all of that. I'm very sure that lots of people are going to come in because we all want to come and hear, you know, prophecy and all of that. But if, for example, they say that, right, um, somebody that we know within the church is sharing the word, somebody might say, oh, but we know this person. Yeah, we know this person. We know we've had conversations with him. What has he got to tell us anyway? And and some of us will actually, instead of coming and hearing, because remember that we are all earthen vessels, but within us, God has put some treasure to come and deliver something to us. So when we come to church, we need to see the person standing behind the people or the person that you're speaking to, having a conversation with uh, 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 over, over over coffee, as someone that God has deposited something inside of him to actually bring to you. Maybe that particular word that the person is what you needed. Okay? So, and this is very, very, very important. Okay? And, 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 and just, just to remind us, to let us know that we all have to see each other as people who are worthy of the word of God. The people who are worthy of something great to share to one another. Rather than uh, the, the leaders that we've got who stand behind the pulpit to actually share. Yes, there are people that God has, has endued with power to share the gospel to us. But equally, you have got something that you can share with somebody. Okay. Now, why am I saying I'm saying that just to give you a reference to what was happening in the church in terms of the messiness, the, the internal wranglings and everything that was going. That's the reason why Paul had to write to the Corinthians and say, no. This should not be. You should not be doing this because this is not very good. It is not a good recipe for the advancement of the kingdom of God. And then he went on to talk about we are all working for the same goal. We are all working for the same purpose. Uh, uh, Apollos is planting. Paul is watering. But God is the one who is bringing the increase of actually bringing people into the house of God. So I want to encourage you this morning that yes, it is a messy church. Church is made up of human beings. Church is made up of people, fallible people, people who have divisions, misunderstandings, all of that. But when we come in, the purpose of it is so that we will be transformed to that place where it is no longer an issue. And even if it is, we are sitting down and sharing and actually discussing, making sure that we put those divisions aside for the purpose of what God is doing. Because when there is unity... God commands his blessing. When there is unity, the power of God goes around and the world is able to see. Okay. So that is the first point I wanted to bring to attention. Uh, the second point from the chair, from uh, the example that we learned from uh, uh, the Philippian church is that the church had within itself solutions to the problems and the issues that it faced. The church has the solution to all the difficulties and the challenges that we face today. Now, you might be thinking, what do you mean by that? In, in the scriptures that we just shared, 
Paul talks about if, if, if anyone is anxious, if anyone has got any issue, okay, rather than focusing on your anxiety, he says that through prayer, supplication and thanksgiving, make your request known to God. That was the solution to that problem. That rather than you sitting down and, and tearing your head out and thinking, oh, you know, I'm not going to come out of it. He, he's actually offered something to say that go on your knees, pray to God. Even if you can't do it because of the, the, the enormity of the problem, get friends, get your brothers, your fellow brothers and sisters around and let them agree with you in prayer because the prayer of agreement has the power to change circumstances. That was what Paul was talking about. Paul was telling the people that, or the church in Philippi that anytime you have any issue, anytime you are anxious about anything, maybe your prayer, you, you want some, something is happening. Rather than you focusing on, on that particular issue and trying to magnify it, why don't you go on your knees and seek the face of God, pray, supplication, thanksgiving, make petition before God. And then what he, he says that the after, the aftermath of doing that is that the peace of God will guard your heart. What does that mean? He didn't say that and God will present the need that you, 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 God will provide that need that you presented. He talks about the fact that the peace of God will guard your heart. When you are anxious, when you are worried, your heart is not in the right place. But when you come before God and you pray to God, and you relinquish that burden that you have. Remember, he said that all those of us who are heavily laden with burden, we should come to him. Yeah? When you lift that burden to him, there is that peace that you have offloaded it to him. He is not going to be carrying it. But not only that, that peace that you get is the assurance that the God who has promised is well able to fulfill whatever he said. When you relinquish it, rather than holding on to it, because when you hold on to it, it's, it's still going to be there. But when you relinquish it, by coming before God and lifting it before God, he, he takes it off you and he, he replaces it with his peace. And the peace that he gives you is just the assurance to you that, yes, I am going to do it for you. Yes, I'm going to change that circumstances for you. Yes, I'm going to change that finance, financial situation for you. Yes, I'm going to change that relationship issue for you. Now, when he does that, it is, it is entirely God's. And we need to be able to have the grace to wait. It's not easy. The waiting is not easy. But it's well worth it when we wait. Because when he comes, he says that we should, even if he tarries, the vision tarries, we should wait for it because it will surely come to pass. And when it comes to pass, it is, it is amazing. Because we've waited and God is coming with the thing that we desired him for. And when we get it, we are able to enjoy it to the fullest potential. So, Let's remember that when we are anxious, when we are worried about things, let's remember that we've got the solution. We've got the antidote. When you're depressed, meditate on what he's done for you. Think about the things that he came through for you. 
and you said that, right, I was in a similar situation or I went through a situation you came through for me, you provided for me. Now, if you've done it for me, then yes, you are well able because everything belongs to you. According to Psalm 24 verse 1, it says the earth is the loss and the fullness thereof, the well and all those that dwell therein. So when he's done something for you and you are in a different stage of your life where you believe in God for, you can go back to what he did for you. And you can say that, right, this is what God did for me. And if he'd done this for me, he's capable of doing even far more than I can imagine or think of according to his word which works in me. And when you do that, it will give you that assurance. So that even when you haven't seen it, you can still celebrate the goodness of the Lord. You can still magnify God in that situation. You can praise God in the middle of that storm, as Paul and Silas did. And when you do that, he then, when the time comes, he brings it and he brings it in a, in a much magnificent way for you. So really want to encourage you uh, 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 with that. Then the last thing, the last thing that as a church and as individuals that we can actually learn from the church in Philippi is that the church was the one that supported itself. It had the support structure to help. What do I mean by that? If you read from verse 10 onwards, he talks about how the Philippian church contributed. The Philippian church contributed in building, in, in actually setting up the different churches that Paul went to, 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 to actually plant. In verse 10, he says, I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I am not saying this because I'm in need for, I have learned, and it goes, but then the, the important place, the important part I wanted to uh, speak about is from verse 15. He says, moreover, as you Philippians know, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I set out from Macedonia, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving, except you only. For even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid more than once when I was in need. This, this was a church that really understood the gospel. This was a church that really caught on to the vision of what God was doing in terms of releasing his glory upon the earth. Paul was sharing. I can imagine Paul goes on his missionary journey. He writes to them or he comes in and tells them, that, right, this is what I've done. I went to Macedonia. I did this. I mean, people were healed. People were, you know, people were saved, all of that. But then they, they had issues. Maybe they had issues about where to meet so that they can continue sharing the gospel. They had issues about people in the church, families in the church, not having food to eat and all of that. So will you partner with me? Will you, will you contribute? Will you help me in whatever amounts that you've got so that I can actually take that money, go to that church, give it to them so that their needs will be supplied? And please, when you do that, remember that this is not for me. I don't need your money. Because I know what it means to be well fed and I know what it means to be hungry. Remember that I'm a tent maker. So I know how to actually, you know, work for myself and earn money for myself. What, what I am doing for you actually, I am actually giving an opportunity so that it will be credited to you because when you give towards the ministry, what you are doing is you are, you are depositing. 
And please, let's not forget that whatever we have, God is giving it to us. We are stewards of what God is giving to us. So when you give, whether it be physical money, whether it be the, the time that you have to come into the church this morning, it was announced that we are in need of volunteers. It is all part of giving. When you come in on a Sunday, you are the front door, or you are cleaning around, making sure that the church is actually prepared for us to come and fellowship. When you do that, you are not doing it for the elders, but you do an opportunity for it to be credited to your account. Because whatever you're doing, nobody sees you or people might think that, oh, you're doing something that's not really bad. Heaven is recording it. Heaven is recording it. And this is something to really, really encourage you about. That anytime you have the opportunity to sow into the kingdom of God, kingdom-minded agenda, please do not hesitate. Do not hesitate at all. Get involved. Because when you do that, you are helping in building the kingdom of God. You may not be standing here. You may not be standing here. You might be standing on the front door. You might be serving coffee downstairs. You might be behind the camera, making sure that people outside actually get to hear the gospel. But what you are doing invariably is that you are serving in God's kingdom. And God remembers that. Okay, So that's just something really to encourage. But it had its own support. And that is what we should be able to do as a church. We should be able to have our own support structure. The church should be the place where people come and they have their needs met. The church is the place where you come, you are very anxious, you speak to a brother or sister, and we can sit down with you, and not only will we pray with you, but if we have the resource to help, that we do that. The church should be the place that um, when there is, you know, a a church that is being planted somewhere, is announced, and then we come together, we support whatever the church plant is. Because remember that whatever minute things that you do, it is going towards the kingdom. And God sees that. God is looking forward to, we are his hands and feet here on this earth. In these last days, it is very important that we put our hands to the plow. Because he says that when we put our hands to the plow and we turn back, we are not fit for the kingdom. And we don't want that to happen to us. We want to be able to put our hands to the plow and stay the course. And for us to be able to stay the course, we need to remember that God has given us something. My something, your something, all of us are somethings. Well, we bring it together, and as I said, it might be financial, it might be um, a gift, an ability, a skill. Even if you don't have it, you might know someone who, who, know, who knows that particular thing. When we come together, we create that commonwealth. Yeah, Commonwealth, where every, everything is put into a pool. As the church back there in the book of our state, then the needs of the church will be met. And when we do that, when we're demonstrating that, the power of God is in the church and people begin to see. The Bible says, when you read the book of Acts, it says, when they were, dem- when they brought everything together and the people's needs were being met, God was adding to them. God was adding to them. So you ask yourself, what was really happening? There was something that was very attractive about what they were doing. People were seeing the, the things that was, the, the tangible testimonies taking place. People being healed, people come to church, their needs have been met and everything. And outsiders were seeing it. And it was really, they, they felt that, right, I want to be part of this. And that is the type of church that we want to create. Now, we can't, I mean, we all have a part to play in this. 
Although I'm talking about church as a corporate body, I am referring to each, each one of us because it is us who make up the church. It is not the physical building per se. Remember, when we finish church after two or three, when we all gone home, this, this place is a building. It is when we come together on a Sunday, or on a Tuesday, or whatever meeting, whether it be live group, that is where we, we become church. So we are talking about church corporate, but we are also saying that we, each one of us who have to slot in, we need to find ourselves within the bigger vision of God. And when we do that, individually, you begin to see that God will begin to meet people's needs. And I believe that that is the type of church that we need to be producing. That is the type of church that God is very happy with. And as I said, when this happens, he commands his blessings. He commands his blessings. There is, there is, there is miracles, there is testimonies, there are things that God is doing in the lives of people, all because although we are, we are messy and we've got issues, we are still able to sit down and sort out our differences and that brings that unity. And when there is unity, God is able to move amongst his people. Number two, that as a church, we have the solutions to the problems that we face, not only internally, but also around the world. Paul describes the church as a pillar and foundation of the truth. We have the solutions to the problems. If only we will rise up and actually get to find out what these solutions are. And the solutions are not anywhere. They are here. In Deuteronomy, uh, Moses talks about, you know, the word of God is not very far away from us. The word of God is not in the sky that you should ask somebody to go upstairs and bring it. Neither is it down in the uh, death of the earth for somebody to go and then bring it out. He says the word of God is nearer us. It is in our mouth. It is in our mouth. Each time we go and we speak and we read it and we actually internalize it and live it out, there is, there is always that tangible experience of it. And that is what we want to be able to do. And then finally, we have the support structure. We do have it. We do have the support. The church has a support structure. And what we want to be able to do is, number one, to be able to identify that support structure. Okay, And all of us fit into that support structure. Whatever you have. As I said, your talent, your finance, whatever you have, bring it together. Let's create that commonwealth. And when we create that commonwealth, that will then help in meeting the needs of the people. And when we do that, people also will begin to see what is happening in. And they will, it, it will attract them to come in. So when they come in, we can give them the gospel, tell them about Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the reason why we've done all of this. We haven't done it out of our own free will. We've done it because God is... God has done something for it and we notice it and we notice that it is our responsibility to do that for one another and that's the reason why we created that. But that is the type of church that God wants. This is the type of church that God, and this is the church that I believe that as, as a church together, this is what we should be building moving forward. And when we do that, we'll begin to see a lot of things happening in the church. We'll begin to see God move miraculously amongst us. The testimonies that we are about to hear is going to be amazing. The things that God will do amongst us is going to be amazing. But we need to be able to slot into it. We need to be able to find our purpose within the church. We need to find our role within that bigger church. Because remember that whatever we have is part of the bigger structure of God's vision for our lives. And that part is part of the, that is what the church is. 
So I would encourage you this morning, if there is anything at all, that the church is a great place to be. It is a, ch- a great place to be. It is a place where you and I can flourish. It is a place where you and I can find our purpose. But for us, for that to happen, we need to remember or we need to look out for these characteristics. And when we, we get these characteristics, that would encourage us for us to be able to contribute in making it a whole. May the blessings of the Lord be upon us. May his word bring understanding and clarity. And I pray this morning that, Father, as we've, we've, we've listened this morning, may our hearts be stirred up. May we be encouraged. May we, may we be reminded of what your church stands for, what it looks like, what it should be. And as your children that you've, you've created, you've formed, that you put things, deposited things in us. May we recognize it and use it to the glory of your name, God, by serving one another, by helping in building the church, the Father you have, uh, uh, you have created, Lord. I thank you once again, Father, for this morning. I thank you for your word. We just pray the Father indeed, Lord, that it will sink in our hearts and our spirits. May we be transformed by what we've heard this morning. We give you glory and we give you praise. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, we pray. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you for listening and we trust that the word of God has inspired you today. For further information about King's Church or to access our large archive of other recordings, go to www kingscambridge.org If you're listening on iTunes we would love you to leave us some feedback God bless and goodbye